Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. This is the show where we share cutting edge strategies, underscoring cutting edge, because this is the cutting edge of cutting edge here today, Cossum. Strategies to help marketing directors, VPs of marketing, CMOs, business owners get more leads and sales and ultimately achieve their vision. And today is so cutting edge. I think this is, I know we've said Chris Mercer is the most important voice in digital marketing, but I think this is the most important presentation in digital marketing. It's the most important message. Well, and I'm combining that message with your presentation here. Yeah. It's interesting because this being the most important presentation, part of the anecdote is what Mercer says. True. It is true. I'm the disease and Mercer's the cure, basically. <laughs> it's great. It's great to see Mercer actually getting some props at TNC. Because it's he, about he's just time. like he's one of these guys that's always been there. Yeah. And he never gets the notoriety. Right. And first off, great hair. Beautiful man. Best hair in digital marketing. Sorry. Right. I gotta give him that. No, I no, mean, no. I'm one hundred percent with you. Yeah. Him, yeah. Tom Breeze, right up there too. A little bit of salt and pepper. But and yeah. then you. You're you're like a bronze medal. 
Sorry. Well, here's the thing is Mercer and Breeze worked really hard at it. This was an accident, Ralph. I'll take a bronze medal for what really is a midlife crisis. Yeah. Yeah. People came up to me at TNC. They're like, what's your plan with your hair? Are you going to cut it? Are you going to grow it out? And I'm like, you think that, does this look like a plan to you? This is, yeah. This is just an accident. Yeah. This is a guy trying desperately not to turn 40. That's what this is. This is a guy that just doesn't want to pay for a haircut, really. <laughs> There's so it. much truth to that, Ralph. So you have no idea. I know. I've seen the car you drive, you know. The richer I get, the cheaper I get. Because now I have nothing to prove to anybody. I'm like, it's I'm true. not. I'm not doing that. Love, I'll go to Costco that. and I'll like, I used to go to Costco for the free trouts because I couldn't afford to eat. Yeah. And now I go there because I'm like, I wonder how many of these things I can juice before, I, <laughs> yeah. before I'm full. <laughs> so my life has gone full circle. Like I'm still eating free food at Costco, but now it's by choice. I love it. I love it. It's, it's a challenge, you know, yeah. how much can you stretch the dollar? Well, we're going to try and figure out how much you can stretch your advertising dollar here today a bit more and give you some more insights into what I think should be a 3D model, really. And I think you're going to be working on that. You said, I think you know, it should be 4D. I think 4D. Add, yeah, I'm going to add smell. <laughs> it'll be three-dimensional and it'll be scented. That'll be like a, oh my God, well, it'll be like cinnamon spice. I don't, know, yeah. Something what like is, that. What does fear smell like? That's fear. Be. Sweat. Buffalo sweat. I don't know. Well, anyway, let's get back into this. Oddly specific. It's a weird. <laughs> There's a story around that. I know. Yeah. Actually, a quick side story. When I was in college, there was a bar that I went to named Louis, and they had a shot at Louis, and it was called Buffalo Sweat. That's what oh, dude, it was. I thought I was going to get a mechanical bull story. No, no. No. And you know what it was? You know when you go out to the bar and like the bartender has the rag? Washes all the shit yep. from the bar and all the crap. Never, from, never been washed, and he's using it in the glass. The buffalo sweat was squeeze the rag into a shot glass, oh, and then you do the shot. Like I can't believe I did that when I was like not you even did. twenty-one. How did you not get dysentery? Oh, yeah. You probably oh, did. You probably it's still disgusting. Had it. Yeah, disgusting. I was like nineteen with a fake ID. So. Anyway, so that's the story behind Buffalo Sweat. So we're not going to talk about that anymore here today and disgust our perpetual traffic listener. Let's get back into part two. I'm excited two. to see where this goes. We're sort of – it's a cliffhanger. Numero a dos. Yeah. You know, you painted this very dark – this very dark present and future of digital marketing and attribution just in general. Right. Which I love because you know what? None of this is perfect. Like we said in the first time through, well, obviously we'll talk about this – quite a bit as you go through it but and if you haven't listened to part one you have to listen to part one you gotta like listen you're to wasting time. your time right now yeah and i think you know on our socials i told my social team it's like we got to slice this up more than just like three or four different things like we're going to blast you all over the internet on all oh, our socials be. yeah he should be should the be you and your hair to hear from me well yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know you want to be heard from from your perspective because you are attention starved and you admit this freely, which I think is sad, but very self-aware. Yeah, very self-aware. But yeah, make sure that you do watch part one. It's over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. And yes, all you people that negatively comment and say, why don't you have your YouTubes up at the same time as your podcast? Well, we sure. now do. Yeah. And for a day late, just blame Costum. Will you? Yeah. Uh, just negative comments for him. Now, the point is, is definitely you got to watch this perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. Follow it over there, there. Let's get back into part two with the cliffhanger was that basically all attribution is dead and you can't track anything right now online. 
And it's a very dark view of the world. So hopefully there's a light at the end of this tunnel here, Kasim. So take it away. The real quick TLDR on part one, and you have to go back and listen, but just as a refresher, all traffic is represented in the analogy that I'm offering as a cube. And the cube is made up of a 10 by 10 X and Y axis. The Y axis is the funnel top to bottom. The X axis is every potential ad channel left to right. And starting on the left is impression and moving to the right is click. And then the Z axis is time. So that becomes 10 by 10 by 10. So you have a thousand cubes. Roughly speaking, you can see one. You can see the extreme bottom, extreme right, extreme front. You can see the bottom of the funnel, the last click, the most recent. That's all you can see. We started with some examples, and I've got a few more that I think are really poignant. So here's my fancy dancy slide deck that I Mm -hmm. did myself, Ralph. That's actually not true. My EA made my slide deck, and then I go through and I cossify it. Cossify it? Is that a verb? Well, dude, it bugged me because when I'm speaking places, TNC is like, oh, you know, you're speaking in January. We need your deck by October. And I'm like, nothing I give you in October is going to be relevant at all. And I swear to God, this is true. I just have him create, I take my last deck, <laughs> change the title, and I send them an old deck. Yeah. And then later, when it gets closer to time, I'm like, hey, by the way, I made some tweaks. And then I send them the real new deck. It's so true. I did the exact same thing. Literally, I think my presentation was on the first day, like yours was. And you can see in the drive, the timestamp like, <laughs> time yeah. of when it was uploaded, it's like 20 minutes before my presentation. So anyway, yeah. I got Dude, you. I appreciate them being organized, but if I gave a talk that I wrote in October, I wouldn't be TNC. You have to give people cutting edge stuff. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So here we are. If you're not watching on YouTube, you can go to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. And what we're looking at here is another example of how attribution doesn't exist. Ralph, does this nomenclature look familiar to you if you can see past the block? Yes. Oh my goodness. This yes. is a tier 11 campaign. Wow. Here's what's really interesting. I didn't realize that. This is a tier 11 meta campaign that shows a losing Facebook campaign. So we're dealing with one of your clients. I'm the Google agency. Mm -hmm. You're the meta agency. We're the losers. You're the winners. Yeah. You're the losers. (laughs) We're the winners. And we're like, look at us. We're so smart. Tier 11 sucks. Look at their losing ass campaign. You're spending six grand. You've got 0.9 transactions. This isn't ROAS, by the way. This is number of transactions. You spent $6,000 and you got... Not even one full transaction. So you know what the client did here? I don't know if you know this story because you have too many clients. There's no way you can watch them all. Your client turned this campaign off. Oh. Yes. Here's what's really interesting. This campaign, this losing campaign, when they turned it off, it tanked everything. All Google campaigns instantly just plummet. And what we go to find out is the losing Facebook campaign was responsible for 76% of all new traffic. Wow. So this losing campaign, that, and you notice I'm not in Meta, I'm in Northbeam. Yeah. So we know Meta can't track, fine. Here's my fancy attribution tool. Yep. And my fancy attribution tool shows this is responsible, this one campaign is responsible for 76% of all new visits. And what they did when they turned it off, much to our dismay and against y'all's recommendations, is they tanked all new traffic and now Google's got nothing to bottom feed off of. And it happens over and over and over again. Here's another example. But here's a question that I asked from stage is who clicks on TikTok? And I had all the TikTok users raise their hand. It was about half the room in both instances. Driven might've been a little bit higher. And then the question becomes, well, do you click? And the answer is no, I scroll. Nobody clicks on TikTok. Well, if you're looking at TikTok from an attribution perspective, here we are back in North Beam. 
And the attribution model, of course, is click only because there's no way to model TikTok views. How could you possibly do that? Watch somebody the next time you're around somebody who uses TikTok. Watch them scroll through TikTok. Nothing has ever happened faster in the history of mankind. I'm yeah. surprised people's thumbs move that fast. It's just... If you have kids, I find this is fascinating. My kid, especially my oldest, when he's home, Instagram and TikTok, and he sits on the floor in front of our TV, our connected TV, and I'm on the couch and he's on the floor. And I see how he does. it's exactly what you talk about. Dude, it's, not, it's so flip, fast. Flip, flip, I'm flip, like, flip, how do you stop. intake flip, 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 the information? Flip, flip, yeah. yeah. How do you know what to stop at? Dear goodness, they're so fast. And so you'd never be able to attribute impressions. There's yep. no such thing as a click. Stopping is the equivalent of a click in TikTok. It's like, oh, I stopped and I saw information. Right. So here's the media efficiency ratio of a TikTok ad being attributed at 0.65, $60,000 spend with a MER of 0.65. And yet when you turn off TikTok, the whole thing goes to hell in a handbasket. That client's entire acquisition was TikTok. Here's another example. This gets really interesting. This is, again, this isn't in-app Google. This is Northbeam. This is attribution. You'll notice if you're watching the screen, I have two columns. I have revenue based off of first touch, according to Northbeam, and revenue based off of last touch, according to Northbeam. Only in Google. So we're not talking about the problem between matching between Google and Facebook over time with multiple channels, multi-funnel. This is just Google. And Google can agree on nothing. You have a campaign that, from a first touch perspective, if you attribute revenue to first touch, it's 480 grand. If you attribute it to last touch, it's 530. Here's another one from 35K to 26K. Here's another one from 20 to 10 for 211. Cuts in half. So some of them, the first one I mentioned, from 480 to 530, there's 50 grand top side that goes to last touch. But then the last one I just mentioned, it's double first touch. Here's one 17 to 14. Here's one 11 to 5. The point here being, even when you're in a silo, even when you're in a closed ecosystem, the way you look at the data changes massively, massively as you start to modify the attribution discussion. First and last touch is such a misnomer because Google can't see the first touch. This should say first touch that we can track and last touch that we can track because we're looking at the last cube on the Rubik's Cube. Not first, first touch. No. It's the first touch we can track. That's actually, I've never heard anyone say that before. That's profound. First touch <laughs> we can track, which by the way, is probably one of the very last touches in their sales cycle. Probably. The first touch we can track is probably their 498th touch. It's the second to last cube on the Rubik's Cube right. front facing. Dude, right. we should start Maybe. calling first touch attribution, second to last touch attribution. <laughs> <laughs> that but that's the wild. thing, is all these data-driven marketers are like, oh, we're making decisions based off of the first touch attribution, and this is clearly the acquisition campaign. No, it isn't. Shut up, nerd. You do right. not know what you're saying. You're right. lying to yourself. You're lying to your client. You're lying to your team. This is a really interesting example. This is an example we figured out by accident. One of our clients was running Meta. Again, here we are. And dude, you know what's so funny is when I started being a co-host of Perpetual Traffic, all I did was shit on Meta. All, it wasn't even called Meta at the time. And I still hate Zuckerberg, by the way. I still think he's a pet point <laughs> child thief. I still, like, I'm not off that train. But it's crazy how complicit I was in this lie. Because yeah. I saw like, oh, look, Google outperforms Facebook all the damn time. I'm, I'm the best, blah, 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 blah. But then here I am. You're starting to sound like Alaric Heck. <laughs> YouTube ads, it's fine. I talked to Alric this morning. Super smart guy. He's launching an agency. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that yet. There you go, Alric. Some free publicity for you. Or I'm so sorry that I let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> it's supposed to be secret, but hey, that's all right. Nobody's listening yeah. to this show. Nobody. We only get $300,000 a month. It's no big deal. Yeah. 
Here's a client whose ads were disapproved by Meta, and you can see a little graph on the screen, and you can see the inflection point where the ads were disapproved. And when the ads were disapproved, we had 25 conversions in a week period, and eight of those were what's called engaged view conversions. That means that they watched enough of the YouTube ad for Google to attribute the conversion to the YouTube view. It's not a click, it's an engaged view conversion. And you think to yourself like, okay, well, fine. How many engaged view conversions could Meta possibly be responsible for? Here's what's really interesting. Zoom out on that timeline, and you can see that the engaged view conversions, if I zoom out just a month, so I went from looking at the week that it was disapproved to the two months, all of October, all of November, and engaged view conversions make up twice the total conversions. So out of 360 conversions, 140 are clicks, 220 are engaged views. And what we realized was Meta's ads were cooperating and cooperating with YouTube. And dude, that to me is crazy. The fact that if you say like Meta goes to last click, branded search in Google, it makes all the sense in the world. Somebody sees a meta ad, searches for you, clicks. But for meta ads to translate into engaged view YouTube conversions, and this is an outbound, look at the nomenclature, YouTube outbound contractors. Nobody even thinks like that. How could you? It doesn't make yeah, any sense. Because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And yet here we were getting double the conversions from click to engage view. Engage view is doubling the conversions that clicks is getting. Meta gets shut off and then engage view is worth half. So this, it just goes to speak to the fact that it's so incestuous. There's no such thing as attribution. Things are going to get crazier, Ralph. You ready for things to get crazier? This is unfreaking believable. This blows my mind. Here's how bad Google's internal tracking and attribution is. Now, we know Meta's tracking sucks. Meta's a disembodied entity. It's nothing but an app. It has no browser, no device, no link to the mothership. It's reliant on whatever it is that you're traveling through to give it the data. Google's and not a 28 like day attribution window. And 28 <laughs> days kind. It's really seven, right? With 28, they kind of mildly expanded and semi-opaque. Mostly seven, yeah. Google, on the other hand, has browsers, has devices, is the largest operating system in the world with Android, has a whole myriad of an ecosystem, has a search engine, has the way to triangulate data. So you think like, oh, well, Google has way better attribution. Check this out. This is a client of ours that has 1.9 million website visitors in, this is a two-month period. Two-month period. Yep. Okay. So 2 million website visitors in a two-month period. So a million a month. Notice how I did that math quickly. A two-month period, 2 million visitors, a million a month. You're a savant. We're going to Vegas. And you and I are, we're, we're going to count some cards. Yeah, we're going to do it. So, okay. Keep, we keep the flow going. Audience. I'm interrupting the flow here. But go, no, go it's ahead. great, dude. It softens the monotony of my voice. The listeners <laughs> are like, oh, thank God. Somebody who's not mildly autistic is talking now. He <laughs> loves to hear his own voice, people are saying yeah. right now. Oh. Um, that wasn't a autism bash, by the way. I really am mildly autistic for anybody who's about to call the ACLU. Yeah, I know. You are. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure that's well, obvious. We're all on the spectrum somehow. I'm sure. So, I just didn't want to be accused of a hate crime. 100%. Yeah. I'm allowed to say it. So Back to the show. So 2 million viewers in 60 days. We said, hey, Google, create an audience for us of all those users. Google matches 321,000 out of 2 million. For those of you that are bad at math, that's 17%. I know because I used a calculator. Google is able to match 17%. Now you think, okay, well, fine, that's top of funnel. It's super broad. Let's dive deeper. 654,000 website purchases in a one-year period. 654,000. This is now, this is last click, converted users with first-party data that landed on my thank you page. 
654,000 customers paid me money, gave me names, addresses, logged in, blah, 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 blah. 654,000 in a 365-day period. Zoom out to 540 days with Google and say, create me an audience of all my converters. Google's able to match 82,000. They match 12.5%. Okay, devil's advocate. Couldn't they be repeat purchasers? Not with this client, but in theory, yes. Okay. So there is that, but not with this client. This no, is this like a one-time client, purchase. This isn't a consumable client. This is a one-off okay. client. And I can't tell you what they are, but I can tell you, like, you'd only ever buy one fancy patio chair, right? Maybe somebody's buying a second one. This is kind of a client like that. You'd only buy one lady. For, you know, like cushions. All right, well, we covers. take my 654,000, cut it in half, All right. and Google is still only matching 24% of converted first-party data users. So this, what this means is like, if you're thinking, oh, we're using exclude campaigns. Right, exclusions. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. There can be no such thing because Google can't even match its own damn data. Here's what this means. There's no audience exclusions. You can't exclude website visitors, which means you can't do real prospecting campaigns. You can't exclude converters, which means you can't do remarketing to, you know, if people are saying like, oh, we've got a shopping cart abandonment campaign, but you do kind of, but not really. Everything's broad, everything's opaque. You can't exclude existing customers, which means you can't do acquisition campaigns. You can't do remarketing to cold traffic only. You can't do cart abandonment. You can't do customer reactivation. You can't do behavioral targeting. You can't do dynamic remarketing. Targeting based on interest-based category, targeting based on phase. Now, when I say you can't do that, you can, but it's broad. And what people think is, oh, I'm getting it 80% right with 20% margin for error. No, you're getting it 12.5% right per the data I just gave you, or 17% right with 87% margin of error or 83% margin of error. Most of the audience that you see in these targeted campaigns are in the gray. Most of what you get is non-visible, and that's the point of the Rubik's Cube. We need to flip everybody's paradigm upside down. It's like an iceberg. The tip that you can see is the smallest part, but everybody right. thinks you can see the majority of the data. You can't. You can't. You can't. Yeah. And we have to advertise with that understanding. We have to advertise with that understanding. I'm not interrupting. I'm just adding a question here because yeah. I know you're on a roll, and it's this is a roll. This is a roll and a half. The point is, is... Of all the platforms, you would figure, just playing the devil's advocate, even though I know this is not the case, you would think that Google would be able to capture all of that because they basically own the internet. Like I have an understanding as to why, but why is that match rate so low? And obviously, we've talked to John Moran about this many, 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 many times. And the first thing that we always do whenever we take over a Facebook campaign, hey, a new customer acquisition throw in exclusions, website visitors, previous customers, leads, anyone who's interacted with your website, page views, you name it. Still, there's obviously, there's going to be ones that get through that net. But that's Facebook. On Google, you would think that it would be the opposite. It would be the absolute opposite would be the case. So why is that? Dude, Google, it used to be so damn close to perfect, Ralph, it was scary. You know, we've heard stories. There's the fun anecdote that makes the rounds about the guy who messed with his roommate and started advertising to him with really specific things that could only be applicable to the roommate. You know the story I'm talking about? Oh, I used to do this all the time. Yeah. Maybe it's your story. The, the, <laughs> dude, the targeting, a lot of Facebook advertisers did. Yeah, but anyway. The matching and the exclusions that, I mean, even Facebook had it too, but that Google had was like Department of Defense scary. 
and I think what's happening here, I know for a 100% fact, and I actually can prove this too, which is really interesting, and I can prove it by looking at historic campaigns and showing people what used to be possible. Google has pulled back on what it allows us to see from a targeting perspective and a match perspective. And my theory is, and I think my theory is very sound, by the way, this isn't speculation, it's not conspiracy theory, this would have to be what's true, is Google has made a strategic decision to change its paradigm, its approach, in order to align with what it assumes will be the regulatory environment moving forward. There are rules here. I work with a gentleman whose name I probably can't use, but he was one of the very top developers in the cryptocurrency world for the second largest cryptocurrency in existence. He was like the dude. And he says something to me all the time that I think is so interesting and really worth taking note of if you're going to be in any regulated environment. He, goes, he said, we can't build to be compliant with the regulation. We have to build to be compliant with the spirit of the regulation. Mm. Because technology moves so much faster than regulation can keep up with. You as the technologist have to intuit what is it that the regulator actually wants and means because when they go to update this, they're going to have to broad sweep brush and catch up by probably a decade. And in so doing, there's going to be a lot of little nuances that if you're playing in the gray, or even if you're technically compliant, the spiritual non-compliance is going to get nailed and you're going to get your legs taken out from under you. Now, if you're a nimble startup, it's okay to play in the gray. If you're Google and you're looking at the next hundred years, which is the way trillion dollar company should function, and you realize, okay, GDPR. California legislation, ADA compliance, WC3 standards, iOS 14 updates. So it's not just legislation from governments and municipalities. It's also the way that other corporations are going to interact with each other. For us to exist in that ecosystem, we cannot rely on the way that we used to do tracking, modeling, attribution, et cetera. And Google rolled out this thing. They claim to have sunset it. I don't believe this is conspiracy theory. Now, I don't believe for a fraction of a second that it's actually been sunset. I think it's been renamed and then just put behind an iron curtain. But Google created something called Flock, which is federated learning of cohorts. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant, Ralph, what they did. Instead of tracking users on a one-to-one -one basis, they put users into clouds that were indicative of who that user is demographically and psychographically, and then they provided you data on the cloud instead of on the user. And I'm not using cloud in the cloud data term, I'm using cloud in like the evaporated water term. So you would have these foggy impressions of who was coming to your site and what they were doing without actually tracking that person. Now, it was too far ahead of its time, and Google, to their credit, they actually gave us a lot of information on it, and people freaked out, myself included, because at the time, we didn't need to do that. So I was like, dude, why are you taking all this shit away from us? And what you realize now is, oh, you were getting out ahead of what was coming. So I think they're still basically following that script, that playbook. I just don't think they're being as open as they were when they gave all the white papers on the Federated Learning for Cohorts out. And so when Google has an inability to match on a one-to-one -one basis the way that they have, I mean, dude, our Google match rate in some instances historically was like 80, 90%. So how can they drop from 80 to 90% to 12 to 15% when they didn't get boobopped by the iOS 14 update? That would make no impact on them. They have to have had a change in developmental paradigm and approach. And I think that that change is meant to align with what they know is coming from a regulatory standpoint and what they know is coming from a, it's the technological space race and cold war between all of these corporations that are withholding data from each other. It, even though I have the data right now today, if I don't have it tomorrow, how can I function? And also I need to prepare my advertisers for not having that. 
So I think it's, it's brilliant strategically to just get out ahead of it and act as if. And I'm sure when I speak, Google developers just laugh because they're like, well, that's all horseshit. Who the hell knows? But that from the outside looking in, that's my best guess. And I've got more access to more data than anybody. But there are very few people in the world. Dude, I mean, how many, what would you guess? There, there has to be less than a thousand people on the planet that get to see as many Google Ads accounts as I do. And half of those work at Google. And I've got the time to sit around and think about that shit. So this is my best guess. We'll see how I do. And you think about it, we were talking about multi-billion dollar companies. Right. And at the end of the day, they are beholden to their stockholders and to their stock price. And they are not going to do anything that's going to jeopardize that unto itself. So I always sort of recall that when I think about And Google is one of those interesting companies where it's do no evil. I don't even know if they even still say that, but that's what the company was founded on. I haven't heard that in quite some time. Yeah. I think it's do no evil publicly. Do no evil publicly. Do no public evil. But the point is, is that, and I know we've talked about this many times in perpetual traffic, is that they sat back while Zuckerberg and Facebook at that point in time before it was meta, took all the arrows in front of Congress. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And it was a brilliant, brilliant move. But- in reality, Google's really 1,400 times smarter than Facebook as far as what it knows about its users. And we've well, done the math before. Worse in terms worse. of being an offender. Like when Congress, when the geriatric morons were interviewing Zuckerberg, like, how could you do this? Like Google set up a Wi Fi. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I mean, they've got a bloody knife, a bloody axe, and, you know, two yeah. gloves that don't fit, just trying to hide from the fact that if you want to talk about data exposure and targeting, it's like, oh, dear. God, the number of people and the amount of data that they had and made available versus what Zuckerberg was stupid in the way that he did it. It was just unsophisticated. So made it look obvious, but Google was the primary offender and never got, I don't want to say never got caught, but like never got called out. Well, he got caught with his pants down on the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And by the way, Cambridge Analytica was not the only one that did that no, they're just uh, the biggest that got caught. The biggest that got caught. And anytime there's right. a whistleblower, that's a thing too, because that's such a good tip of the story. iceberg. Yeah. Everybody, every app company was doing that yeah. at that point in time. And then share it. If you don't recall what it is, we'll leave links in the show notes. We did so many shows on this. We're not going to rehash the Cambridge Analytica story, but the point is, is that Google is that's the type of thing that leads to this decision. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. They're like, I don't want that to happen to us. So right. We are going to blind you to the data and have a 17% match rate or 14% match rate or whatever it happens to be. And the funny thing is, is that if you really try to use exclusions and your main goal is new customer acquisition on Google unto itself as just a specific platform where I'm going to go out and find brand new customers, you cannot in any way, shape, or form target just new customers, especially if you have a viable business. That's my next slide, Ralph. Oh, here's what's really interesting. So Performance Max has a new customer only checkbox. If you check that box, on average, Pmax takes 80% of your old customers are new customers. Now, notice the continuity in my numbers. This is a major deal. Oh, dude, it's huge. When this first came out, we were so excited about this. We had John on this multiple times. You guys became like the Performance Max agency of record. This was a big deal, but now it's a farce. It's 100% farce. If you look at the the continuity of my numbers, Pmax takes 80% of your old customers as new customers, okay? Look at the last two examples I showed you. 12% match, 17% match. So... 
80% new, those are the people that aren't being matched. That's the fog. That's the gray. So if you tell Google, I only want new customers, 80% of the people are your actually older existing customers. That's because you're getting somewhere sub 20% match. It's unfreaking believable. So the question people are asking now, like, all right, dude, fine. Chicken little, the sky is falling. Thank you. What is it? Pompeii? Like, <laughs> we're all going to get buried in ash. That's right. Vesuvius is yeah. flowing. Lava flows are coming at you. What do you do now? What do you do? And what's really interesting is the answers are we return to the basics, but we have to do so in intentional ways. And the first thing that I'll say is if you're only running singular channels, and I don't just mean just running Meta and Google, you should be running every applicable channel to your audience, period, full stop. You should be running every single possible. And dude, this is where I think people should be going back to traditional advertising. I've mentioned this a couple of times. I had the highest performing real estate investment campaign on the planet for seven years. You know, what was really interesting is when we started our real estate investment lead generation agency, nobody was using Google and I was minting money. By the time we ended, flash forward, cascade that across seven years, the entire market had shifted to Google. I sold the agency because the real estate market started to turn. The little tool on my tool belt only works in a buyer's market. But towards the end, when we were talking to our clients, Google wasn't their primary lead acquisition tool. It was direct mail. And it's because everybody used to use direct mail. When they all transitioned to Google, they took all their money out of direct mail and they put it in Google, but they did it all at once. So then direct mail became a blue ocean. I think the whole world needs to start looking at those blue oceans. Look at billboards, direct mail, door knockers, bandit signs, cold calling, email, outreach, radio, television, newspaper. And then look at some of the more obscure programmatic display, outbound, whatever, YouTube, AdRoll, Taboola, Outbrain, Reddit, organic. Give yourself the opportunity to be placed in a multi-channel atmosphere ecosystem because each of those channels is going to feed the other. So here are the things that you need to do. You have to run, and Ralph, to your credit, you have been saying this for as long as I've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, and you've been saying this longer and harder than anybody I've ever known. And we could probably go back six years and find an episode where you champion this narrative. You have to run full funnel traffic. So remember, we have our X, our Y, and our Z axis. The Y axis is the funnel. And people who aren't running top of funnel campaigns, brand awareness campaigns, prospecting campaigns, make people problem aware, make people solution aware, you have to run full funnel traffic. That's number one. That's your Y axis. Then you have to run across all applicable channels. That's your X axis. Then you have to run for an extended period of time. That's your Z-axis. And to be frank, that's the answer. You take a very relevant message, put it in front of a very relevant audience across the entire funnel, across all applicable channels, across a protracted period of time. And guess what happens? You fill the Rubik's Cube. You can't see what's happening, which is the thing that terrifies all of us, so we don't want to spend money where we can't see. But if you only spend money on that last cube, and the analogy that was given to me that I think we chose on the last episode was the world's inventory of traffic can be likened to corn. And traffic that buys is popcorn. And all of us, every business and every industry has decided to just start paying for instant pop popcorn because that's the easiest and the fastest. But in so doing, people stopped planting corn. And now we've run out of cold traffic aware traffic. We need to go and, and plant more corn. And that's the awareness building. That's the branded building. So you have to go full funnel, multi-channel, protracted period of time, X, Y, Z. While you're doing that, you have to establish at least three measurement sources, preferably more. So that would be in-app, 
Take what Google and Facebook are telling you. Know that it's a lie, but you still need to look at it. GA4 is surprisingly adept at broader tracking. And Chris Mercer has some amazing resources over at Measure Marketing, many of them free, by the way. And then whatever's first party for you. So Shopify, your CRM, those are your three sources. Extra credit if you're using attribution software. I hate Hyros. It's last click, UTM-based. It's garbage. I don't care that that neck tattoo guy might stab me in the face. I apparently picked a fight with somebody on stage. Have you heard that story? That I don't want to get sued for libel. So I don't know if that's true or not. But <laughs> surprise either way, me. it doesn't matter. I know Scott DeGrassier wants to take him on. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'm very fragile. I, I don't want to fist fight yeah, an Instagram easily. influencer. Yeah. Plus, he's got a Ferrari in the background when he records his videos. So, well, you all have a Honda Accord from like 1972. So, it's a prelude. It's a prelude. Oh, sorry. That's what I'm saying. If you you record a video and you have a Ferrari in the background, like you just care way too much about your image. And I don't want to fight you because it means more to you than it is to me. True. Even even if it is rented, but that's okay. That is 100% a Toro (laughs) Ferrari. Yeah. I want to see it. I want to see it. And if it's not, I actually think you're dumber. Anyway, uh, rent, attribution rent software, Wicked Reports, or yep. Northbeam. Those are the two that we like and use. I'm sure there are others out there that exist, but those are the two that... I, and here's the other thing is we've played with a lot of them. All of them. Dude, there's not an attribution software I know of that we haven't tested thoroughly. There's a couple that just keep coming on the market that I have not. And then I'll call Scott and be like, who the hell are these people? Like, ah, oh, they're a knockoff of this, that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, John tests every damn thing because we, we're so yeah. desperate for something that works. And then the last point about what to do is measure success using cash in, cash out models over time. This is media efficiency ratio, media mix modeling, or, or return on investment, MER, MMM, or ROI. Here's what's really interesting about MER, MMM, and ROI. In my very layman, non-college graduate opinion, they're the same damn thing. Whatever whatever Pretty academic much. wants to step in and be like, well, actually, technically, media efficiency ratio doesn't take into consideration OPEX. Like, shut up. Well, how much I put money in the magic box, and then money came out of the magic box, and that's MER, MMM, and ROI. Depending on how you want to calculate it for yourself, I do not care, but that's how you should be tracking, and you should be tracking over time. This is the last point that I'll make again. Marketers have the bad habit of looking at things in 30-day cycles. Of course. There's no business in the world that I can think of that operates in clean 30-day cycles. We have to look over time, and that over time means zoom out. A couple of notes, just because people are going to want this. These are campaign pairings that we know work really well. Google Standard Shopping and Men Advantage Plus. This is a writer downer, people. Phenomenal pairing. Yeah, this is the hack. I want the hack. This is the hack. Yeah. yeah, this is where everybody like puts their phone up and screenshots yeah. the screen. Which yeah, pisses me one. off because after none of your I other said, slides were screenshotted, by the way. I, so I know. It was only this one. No, it was just a bunch of deer in headlights, dude. It was like I can't believe they haven't pulled him off stage yet. Why? <sighs> Why has he not been assassinated? Why is he talking so fast? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I had so, 45 minutes so and they gave angry. me 30. Yeah. Why is he so angry? Yeah. Um, Google Standard Shopping and Meta Advantage Plus. Okay. Google Standard Great. Shopping plus Meta Advantage Plus is option yep. one. Got it. Prospecting and Meta plus bottom of the funnel search in Google. Bottom of the funnel doesn't just mean your brand, by the way. It, it is brand, but it's also product names, buying terms. It's intent-based terms. Something very closely or loosely affiliated with your product. Yeah. And then prospecting and meta and YouTube, believe it or not. And I don't know how or why that really functions, but it functions amazingly well. And I, sh- I showed you the data. That's a wild one. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. See, I learned something new here. That's one that I have to actually even look at even further. Just go play with. Well, John taught me that. Go talk to yeah. John. Wow. We should have him on. Dude, some of the shit he's doing is just crazy. Crazy, crazy. He's an insane madman who I love. Yeah. 
He's like the yeah. Andy Warhol of traffic. When you hear him talk, you're like, none of this can be true. And then he, whatever comes out is like magic. And you're like, wow. he's the Stephen Hawking of traffic, I think. Yeah. I don't know. He's more mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about his brain. Not like, yeah. you know, him in a wheelchair. Yeah, that anyway. said, don't take my standard campaigns and say like, oh, this is everything. Every business is going to be different. Find the campaigns that work for you. And then there's a bunch of stuff that I gave away only at my mastermind that I don't think we need to get into. Hmm. I guess um, you have to join <laughs> to get yeah. all well, those Well, I can tell you some of it is just client specific, so I won't yeah. dive too, too deep. But here, the broad strokes are run non-conversion campaigns. And yep. people freak out when I tell them this, run campaigns. And you know what's so funny too, dude, egg on my face? I remember doing talks where I'd say, the biggest mistake I see in ad campaigns is they don't have conversion tracking set up properly. And here I am now telling people, run campaigns without conversion tracking. But here's why. You don't want Meta and Google to know when somebody converts because then they start to optimize for it. And when they start to optimize for it, they start to commoditize your traffic and you pay more. So if you're running a relevant message to a relevant audience, but they can't see who's converting, you'll notice that your costs actually stay static instead of suddenly doubling down on, oh, that's the prospect and now everything's going to get more expensive. So run non-conversion campaigns, run campaigns without goals, run campaigns without audiences. What Meta and Google both do really, really, really well is they'll automatically optimize campaigns for engagement. So for instance, who's watching your videos? So if you've got copy or ads that intrinsically qualify an audience, then run no audience targeting and just let Meta and Google figure out who's engaging with your ads. And then again, if there's no conversion on the other end of that, you get super cheap traffic that's highly converting. Remember, you can also capture those audiences in videos too. In that's app. exactly right. And videos tend to be the best performing ads for that type of intrinsic qualification. Yeah, most cases. I have a couple of case studies where it was not. <laughs> But that engagement is actually now a video view or percentage of engagement that's then retargeted. Whether or not that's actual true data, I have to figure that it's in-app, so it's going to be fairly accurate. But let me just pose this as our final question here, because I know we're running out of time, is I'm running a campaign and I've got my campaign that is on Facebook that looks like a loser, mm. whether I'm using it in third-party attribution software or not. And I had this question posed to me at that CEO group that I belong to. It's like, I just shut off all those campaigns to see where the holes were. Do you recommend people doing that? Like it did happen in some of your examples here over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. Is that the only way to say, no, oh, Facebook is actually feeding my bottom of funnel high intense search-based campaigns or my brand search campaigns or, or YouTube is feeding at the top by just plain shutting it off. It seems like a radical solution to sort all this out. Am I just if we're off playing the rails a scientific here? method, I think that's probably the only way to know definitively where the joints are. So if you're like the head bone is connected to the knee bone or whatever, if you're trying to figure out which campaigns are feeding which campaigns, by shutting one off, you can see where the cascading impacts are. But if you have a really thoughtful, and this is where media buyers are still really relevant. This is where an agency would still be very, very relevant. If you have a thoughtful person managing these campaigns that can see everything, what I would hope is that thoughtful person goes, okay, I'm not seeing the conversions from Meta, but what am I seeing? In the example that I shared in the presentation, 76% of my new traffic is coming from this one meta campaign. So even though meta is not showing the conversion, that to me 
is a high value campaign? Am I seeing views? Am I seeing engagement? And dude, what's my CTR? Am I seeing clicks? So don't use vanity metrics. You can't eat vanity metrics, but you can use vanity metrics to give you a sense as to the health of a campaign. And as long as we understand that in the Rubik's Cube, I can only see that last cube, you can start to mentally model, well, if this campaign was performing, it would be performing here. And I know I don't have visibility to where here is. So it's a safe assumption that this campaign is participating in the success of the overarching marketing mix earlier than I'm able to track. And in a more sophisticated fashion, what if I ratchet spend up a little bit? What happens? What if I ratchet spend down a little bit? What happens? And most importantly, when does it happen? Because it's not going to be in 30 days. Maybe you ratchet spend up and then the impact you see is seven months later. True. This is where the conversation gets really interesting. Or seven weeks later. Dude, this is the farming corn analogy. Yeah. You know. We're not driving a race car. We're sailing a boat. I'm going to turn a little bit. I'm going to tweak a little bit. And we're going to see how things function. And I realize that everybody wants to move at light speed. And if that's what you want, fine. God bless you. Go sit there and try to drive your race car in the ocean. In the deep, dark, murky, no sunlight ocean. It does take a smart media buyer and an insightful media buyer. This is why AI is never going to fully replace the media buyer because this is an insight where, all right, I'm planting the corn in the spring and I'm harvesting in the fall. All right. So I got to plant that corn in the spring if I want popcorn around Christmas time. Yeah. This is where you would need AGI. Like once we have AGI, I think the media buyer is in trouble. But until then, the in-app AI can't You're absolutely right. And to the point that I think you're making here, it requires a media buyer who's no longer myopic in scope. Yeah. You can't have, and dude, here's what's really funny. I owned a Google ads agency. Guess what we just did? We just started offering all channels Yeah. because we had to. Because if you only look at Google, you're effectively worthless. You need somebody, and you guys have been doing this a long time. You need somebody who looks at post-click. You need somebody whose broader view allows them to really see like, oh yeah, I remember I planted last spring or whatever. When do you plant? Do you plant in fall? I think this spring. I'm not a I'm farmer, not a plant, but I'm, I'm pretty farmer. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's warm in the spring. I have been through cornfields in August and they're taller than a man, as they say. Depends on the man. Some men are taller than others. <laughs> that was a great part That was yeah. a great line from Braveheart. <laughs> the point is, is that I think you have to have those insights and you have to kind of do some reverse thinking. Yeah. Dude, and you'll never be right. That's the other thing. On my last call, I talked to a CMO of a massive organization who knows for a fact what I'm saying is true and still continues to report in-app numbers because that's all the board will accept. It's how he validates his existence. Because if no. he gives them like, I don't know, he's out of a job. Yeah. So we get we get that. I think you also have to have an agency that understands that too. Right. And then you're playing this weird gerrymander game where it's like, all yeah. right, here's what it could be. And you can bring this to them. But yeah, but here's the real deal. But this is right. what I want you to present to the board next week. I know John does that for you. I know our CSOs do that for our clients 100% because there's never going to be an exact, there's 100% certainty. This happens here and then this happens over here because humans are chaotic. Right. Literally. People will say, well, I know that's true generally, but I'm in emergency plumbing. And in emergency plumbing, if somebody goes, I need a plumber right now today, I know for a fact that's last click and it's short term and it's not a long buying model. Here's what's crazy about it. I know somebody who runs an agency that's her only services home service, mostly plumbing. When he runs brand awareness campaigns, 
and puts people in front of, here's the logo, here's the brand, here's the URL, here's the phone number, here are the colors. And then when they do have, you know, hey, there's feces spewing out of my toilet, even in that urgent situation, the logo that I've seen before is more likely to get my click. His brand awareness campaigns improve the efficacy of his last click, emergency plumbing. So I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care how last click you think your shit is. You need to run top of funnel. You need to run full funnel. You need to run multi-channel. So true. So true. We have a client that's in the electrical niche and they advertise on Bruins games, on local Nesson, and they're electricians and they're huge. The point is, is like they are out there brand wise, but when you need an electrician and when something like your house is on fire or something like, I don't know, whatever the local electric emergency is, stuff like your panel all of a sudden blows up. You think of those guys and you go do a brand search for them. It's not just electrician near me. There is the reason why they're spending all that money on TV ads, on putting their name on the Bruins hockey rink, superimposed, you know, on the board. They spend so much on all this brand stuff because they are exactly like what you're talking about. Like when you need them, you need them in a pinch. You need them now, and they're a name that you recognize. And they're a name you trust. Because the a name you trust. Humans aren't stupid. Even if I am being electrocuted in the moment, I still want to make sure that the person coming is competent. Correct. Because I've seen their ads a hundred times. Yeah. Like how many impressions they've gotten on me for the next time I need an electrician. Although right. I have a local electrician. But the point is, is I know their name off the top of my head because I right. see their stuff all the time. So it's not just for the plumbers and the people that are in need of the urgent thing right here and now. This is everybody in general. Well, this has been tremendous. And I think, like I said at the beginning of this, I don't think it's hyperbole in saying that this is one of the more important, if not the most important, we calling it a presentation concept, I think, to understand. Because and this is going back to, we have 10, 15 years of Google and Meta now advertising where we're all spoiled, where we could track basically everything at one point in time. We're pretty damn close to it. And now it's gone back to there is gray area. There is obscurity. gray area. And it's mostly gray area when we try to think that it's actually, it's mostly black and white when in fact it's mostly opaque. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly like you can't see shit. The last seven days with these couple of channels at the bottom of the funnel. It's one cube on a thousand cube Rubik's cube. The interesting thing and last note here is that the stuff that you're talking about way, way up at the top of the funnel, and yes, we have been talking about this for years, is the cheapest traffic. Dude. Well, not just that. Not only is it the cheapest, but it makes everything else throughout your funnel cheaper. Work. Yes. It lowers your overall blended CPA all the way down my TNC presentation. Like we did this branding, we 10x to our brand spend on Facebook and we lowered the CPA like a hundred percent, like 50% and then another 50%, the more we did a top of funnel. So it makes everything cheaper, not just the traffic that you're buying at the top, which is non-conversion traffic. Anyway, it's, we will come back to this theme, I think a lot in 2024, because I don't think we can talk about it enough because I think people don't want to hear it necessarily, but this is the way of the world right now so dude uh, I, you know people don't want to hear it that's fine it is it just is you know it is yeah for a very long time didn't want to hear about safe sex 
You know, I'm a 16 year old boy and I, I've got some ideas in my head, Ralph, but it's just like, man, if you don't want AIDS, you know what I mean? Like this just is like, you have no choice you wrap but that to rascal. opt in or go get digital AIDS. So <laughs> that's true. There's no vaccine for this. Do we even go down there? There's, there's just no, no, there's no prophylactic for this. Right. <laughs> I don't know, man. You're just going to catch it no matter what. Yeah. It's, it's that movie. Don't look up. You know, the people that don't want to hear oh about Oh, my that, God. What yeah, a great they're movie. They're just like, just don't look. Oh, just, my God. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Well. We're leaving that link in the show notes. So people good. have to go watch that movie. That is yeah. such a good movie. Oh, now, my God. The best part of that movie is how much Jonah Hill's character is not at all a parody. And is just like what every politician's <laughs> kid is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. It's so true. Yep. Well, all right. Don't look up. Uh, you know, the meteor is actually coming. Oh, dude, it's here. We've been, <laughs> it's fact, been exploded. Probably, yeah, it's yeah. exploded That's a, yeah, it 18 hit. months ago. It and now hit. we're like picking through the pieces. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The KT line is there. We're not extinct as the dinosaurs were, but, you know, it, attribution, as we know, it is certainly as extinct as it, we knew it 10 years ago. That's for damn sure. So make sure that you do go over to our, our YouTube channel and watch this, both part one and part two. Super, super important for everyone who has been listening to the show for any period of time. We're obviously making a lot of jokes about it, but it is what it is. This is digital marketing in 2024, and it's not going to change anytime soon. It's not going to get less opaque. So you might as well just, just uh, unless somebody can figure out how to track a view uh, and an impression in some third-party tracking software, which has not happened as of yet, the entirety of a timeline that it takes somebody to convert. Right. Yeah. I, I'm just speaking like in the digital right. space. If you could do that, that would be quantum leap forward. But you're never going to capture like, how do you capture a billboard right. view or a newspaper view? Point is, is this is the reality of what we live in right now. So make sure that you do subscribe and leave a rating. Let us know what you think about today's show and part one. Here, we did go a little bit long here today. Obviously, let us know we, what we can do better over perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Like I said, subscribe, leave a rating. We uh, read them all. We read them on the air. We've read a few just in the last couple of weeks. And uh, obviously, all the resources and show notes, everything that we mentioned here, movies that we want you to see, conspiracy theories that you want to adopt, will all be over at perpetualtraffic.com. So on behalf of my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 